0: Let's set up the Oklahoma 4 Dealers Hotline and welcome in Dr. Chris Crane from Tulsa Bona Joint back after a one-week absence here on the Blitz 1170 via your Oklahoma 4 Dealers Hotline. What's going on, Dr. Crane? How are you today? I'm doing much better. How you been? been good, man. Been, uh, been really good. Glad that you're doing better as well. Uh, I sent you a message earlier today because I feel like that this is a topic, one, that I know that you have a keen interest in, but also... Um, That is kind of setting the NFL world on fire right now, and it's the concussion protocol. It's concussions in general that we've seen a lot of, and then the way that they've kind of officiated things based off of what we've seen from Tua Tunga Viola over the past few weeks. By the way, Tua, we had an update today. He's not going to play again this weekend, so... Uh, From everything that's happened, Doc, uh, and as I said, I know that this is a a subject that is near and dear to you just on concussions and brain injuries. Um, I guess we should just start with the, the, the protocol. You're there on Friday nights. What is the protocol for a head injury in high school football here in the state of Oklahoma if there is one of those situations that pops up on a Friday night at a game that you're at?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, step one is is always just making sure this is not a true emergency. You know, checking head trauma, making sure that the neck is okay, making sure there's no fracture, making sure they're awake, they're answering questions appropriately. Uh, so much of the initial assessment is just, is this something that needs the ER or is this something that's stable enough that we can kind of assess this on the sideline? So once we kind of go through the more emergent checks, making sure – Everything vitals wise is good. The next steps really are getting them off the sidelines getting them to a quiet place and Talking through the many many symptoms a concussion can present with that's a broad topic It's the reason these protocols exist is because there's so many different symptoms. They can all be presenting differently uh, Patient to patient and even concussion to concussion you can have more than one and feel very different from one versus the other so trying to tease out what they're feeling and how severe that is, uh, is is a major part of that assessment, too.
0: So if you're a parent that happens to be listening right now, are there some basic guidelines that you would have, like, for a parent's guide to concussions? And like I said, and you just mentioned it, it, it's broad because there's not one concussion that is seemingly the same as, as others, but are there some things as a parent that you should probably have at the top of your mind if your child suffers from one?
1: Yeah, and and parents are are on the front lines with us just like that because they they know the kid's baseline. I mean, they know what the day-to-day is, what their mood is typically like. Um, I mean, just person-to-person, everybody's a little different. So uh, the things to look for, not just cognitive things that we think about like confusion or easily distracted or or, uh, not able to remember as well. Uh, but even just things like feeling in a fog or having sensitivity to lights or to light, sort of sounds, kind of migraine-like symptoms, uh, classically headache, nausea, vomiting, kind of the more body-type symptoms that we see. Uh, and then just emotionally, they, they aren't the same kid. They kind of are, are more more labile, hot and, hot and cold, kind of back and forth, uh, irritable, things like that. Those can all be signs of the processing of the brain not being at its usual, uh, not firing in all the usual cylinders. And so uh, we we rely on parents to help us know when kids are showing some of those more subtle
0: symptoms. Are there things that you see across the landscape of sports and, you know, the NFL one with, with Tua and the whole – you know the doctor being fired from his position. Um, they've talked a lot about like the the gross motor skills and applying that that to their concussion protocol. Are there things across the board that can still continue to change to ensure safety?
1: Yeah, and one of the big things that the Players League and the NFL were working together on was looking at the quote unquote no go symptoms. So the things that if you show these, even for a short time, even if they go away. We're going to take it very seriously and not return to play so quickly, and and Tua in particular got so much attention with his injury that he had is because his stumbling, his his you know struggling to get off the sideline off to the sideline after that first hit, he apparently according to the ESPN article I read said in the locker room that that was due to other injuries that he had recorded and reported. Um, and and so I think that there was confusion as to the source of of the the stumbling that he demonstrated. But the the new protocol that they've kind of agreed on is to add that ataxia or that that trouble with walking and that stumbling to the no go list of, hey, we gotta take this seriously when it happens, just like we do with loss of consciousness, just like we do with amnesia.
0: So this presents uh, an interesting one because of the, uh, what do they call it, the second impact um, syndrome that, that happens with a lot of this. And there are a number of stories, right, from players that have had no experience with concussions but yet they suffer their first one and then their second one happens within a relatively short amount of time and the impact that that can have on them moving forward. Is that the ultimate concern here is is coming back and once you receive that first or second one, knowing that this be, could become a problem that just is persistent moving forward with whatever version of an athletic career that you want to have?
1: Oh, absolutely. Second hit syndrome or second impact syndrome is a major deal and it's one of the many drivers behind taking concussion so seriously and and getting away from that oh just shake it off mentality that we used to have in the past to to really focus on this if you haven't fully recovered from your first concussion your brain is is in a healing mode it's got a different blood flow than it normally does it can have different pressures and different um it's 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 under repair, so to speak, and so if you go and get a second hit during that time, your brain is not prepared to deal with that and the, those second hits can even look or seem pretty mild and to case, it did not look that mild at all. It was a pretty good hit, and that can be much more long lasting Those symptoms can now go from maybe you know weeks to months to months to permanency, uh, that can even be fatal. Those blood flow changes that happen in that second hit can cause pressure to go up in the brain. That that can be fatal. And So uh, taking the first hit seriously and letting you fully heal from it is our main way to make sure you don't get a second hit that can be just dramatically impactful on your life.
0: Well, and I think that we're seeing at least an example of that so far here in this state with Dylan Gabriel, who took the hit against TCU, the Oklahoma quarterback who didn't play last week. And even this week when asked about whether or not he's going to return to play, he said, look, guys, I'm I'm still in the protocol right now. And we may not know, Dr. Crane, until... Uh, later today or even tomorrow, from a hit that happened you know almost getting two weeks ago now that cost him some playing time, and that you you see people say like, well, wait a minute, I see him in practice but you, but you 've got to go through stages like there' are stages for you to be able to return to the sport, and just because you see someone right that is there that 's doing light aerobic activity um whether it's a stationary bike or or walking at a slow to medium pace or walking around even the practice facility with with the blue jersey on like Dylan Gabriel was, doesn't mean that he's any closer to returning. He's just in part of the stages, right, of trying to get back to that point.
1: Absolutely. I mean, anybody being honest with themselves knows that throwing some practice throws on the field is a completely different environment than a game-day situation. I mean, the level of stress, the number of things going on, the chance of contact. We do a very stepwise protocol with all concussions, and it starts with just getting to where you have no symptoms at rest. You know, not even exerting yourself physically, not even mentally, get where at rest you don't have the symptoms that you have. And what they find is that, that once that happens, you slowly begin to add in some exertional components because sometimes that exertion, whether that's physical or even sometimes being back in classrooms like we see in high school and college, those mental stimulations can bring those symptoms back that you actually don't have at rest. You can have at exertion. So you have to return very gradually because that pushing through symptoms prolongs the recovery, prolongs the symptoms. So you have to be very stepwise and cautious and careful with returning to play as quickly as you can, but at the speed that your body needs to heal appropriately. And that's a, that's a fine line to walk, and it really does rely, too, that the athlete tells you what they're feeling, how their body's feeling. If they don't keep that communication with you and trust you, it's a hard process to go through.
0: And it makes it even that much more difficult, back to something that you said, is that there are no two symptoms that are seemingly alike. Uh, people respond to, different, to things differently, so you can't put each in single one of these situations in, in a box uh, by any means because everyone's going to react differently.
1: Yeah, very individualized. And I I think people hear concussion, the first thing they tend to think of is headache. Uh, Maybe they start thinking, you know, loss of consciousness or dizziness. But, I mean, there are dozens of symptoms on the screening tools that they use on the sidelines. There's some newer things coming up that involve balance testing to try to get some numbers attached to this and make sure that your your balance and your posture and things like that are, are still equal to what they were before or see if those are affected by the hit that you took um so there's a there's a tremendous amount of analysis that goes in because it's just trying to like you said no two are the same and trying to figure them all out under one banner is sometimes hard
0: to do so the last thing and I sent you this um I noticed this the other night in the Rams game and I'm trying to remember who who had it on and then I started digging there's a player there's a linebacker for the Chargers and it looks like they're wearing uh, a horseshoe around their neck I, I mean that's the way I would describe it it's not it's not the the good old days of the neck roll or the neck board or the oversized shoulder pads for for linebackers that looks like they're straight out of the '80s. That we're still trying to find ways to try to reduce concussions and protect players from injuries in the head and neck area. We've talked about guardian caps with you before. This newer device is something called is called a Q collar that limits is said to have limited the damage of of hard hits that may cause concussions and other head injuries. Um, the FDA has approved this device that is able to supposedly limit head trauma. What do you know about the q collar, Dr. Crane?
1: I knew nothing about it until you told me about it, so I went digging. The FDA did approve it. They kind of put it in a newer special category where it's, it's not like a typical full approval, but they still want to get this thing out, and, and they, they see the potential benefit. What the device seems to do, if I understand correctly, is it's pretty tight and compressive and actually squeezes on the blood vessels that are the veins that return blood from your brain to your heart. And as we kind of talked a little bit about, it seems that a lot of the concussion symptoms and also response to to healing a concussion are related to blood flow. And so the thought is, I guess with this device, you would try to compress those veins keep more blood inside the head and change the dynamics, not only physically with the motion that it goes through during hits, but also just healing factor wise. Um, The the study they did only had a few hundred people in it, seemed to make a difference. Um, And so as they start to spread this thing across a bigger amount of people, we'll see if it truly helps. There was a long list of people, their symptoms that, or uh, how do I put this, a long list of people who shouldn't wear it if they have certain symptoms or certain issues with blood flow in the brain. And looking at the list, I was wondering how many people would even know if they had those kinds of things. And so it'll be interesting to see how broadly that can be applied and then it, whether in, in bigger numbers it still seems to hold up and make a difference. Uh, I mean, but definitely a different approach than I've seen a lot of other things
0: take. And it's one of those products, right, that will time will tell. Right. The, the more that we understand, the more that we study this. Um, I, I, but I think more than anything, people are now willing to at least view some of the information and say, we've got to try something to try to limit these. And if this helps, then mm-hmm. let, let's go ahead and try it.
1: Yeah, more numbers are always better. And so the more we can understand not only what's going on, but see what seems to help. I mean, that's, that's the goal is we figure this out and there's no way to do that but try
0: Dr. Crane, awesome stuff today, man. Thank you so much. 918-392-1400 is the number. Check them out online at TulsaBoneandJoint.com as well. Dr. Crane just one of the number of physicians uh, readily available for you. Dr. Crane, we'll check in with you next week and have a great rest of this week. Sounds great. Take care. Uh, thank you. That is, uh, again, Dr. Crane from Tulsa Bone and Joint, TulsaBoneandJoint.com. Moving life forward with TBJ. Hey, look, I, when our daughter fell and broke her arm, that's the first place that we went. Immediately right there to Tulsa and Joint. Got her in instantly. The surgeon happened to be there that day, Matt. She was like, you know what? We need to look at this. And we were able to get the surgery scheduled for the very next day. That's how quickly that things operated at Tulsa and Joint for my family. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. Eli Letterman will join us next from the Tulsa world. He covers the Oklahoma Sooners. What a wild ride that it's been for not only OU, but I'm sure for Eli as well on year one of the Sooners beat. That's next year on the Blitz.